The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 151 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby here. Hey, y'all. And today we are discussing Helaman chapter four. I'm excited. I'm always excited, though. Uh, Yeah, we are kind of Book of Mormon freaks, if you hadn't figured that out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for this one. Definitely one of those chapters that you can read quickly past. Um, you can mistake it for like a, a transition chapter, like between certain things, certain events in the narrative. But some great lessons I think we can take away from this chapter. Well, let's dive in. We want to start with verse 11, actually, this yeah. podcast. So I'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll talk about it. Now, this great loss of the Nephites and the great slaughter which was among them would not have happened had it not been for their wickedness and their abomination which was among them. Yea, and it was among those who professed, I'm sorry, I read that wrong, and it was among those also who professed to belong to the church of God. Yeah, so you're you're asking yourself, whoa, what is going on? Mm -hmm. What is this great loss and the great slaughter, which were uh, among the, the Nephites? Well, now we know what the cause of it was. And then we're going to go ahead and read quickly through verses 1 uh, through 10 to kind of catch you up on what happened. So, 50 and fourth year in verse 1. There were many dissensions in the church. Nothing new there. And there was also a contention among the people. Again, nothing new. And but, in so much. Yeah, I say, but this contention resulted in bloodshed. Which has happened before. Right. So I don't want to say nothing new, but it definitely reached. It escalated. It escalated, <laughs> yeah. And then in this uh, bloodshed, the rebellious part were slain and driven out of the land. And they go unto the king of the Lamanites. So the, this is a, a somewhat common ploy among those dissenters of the Nephites. They go and they try to stir up the Lamanites and use the, the Lamanite, you know, brute force to then come back and afflict the, the Lord's people. So I want to point out something here. This is all in the 50 and fourth year. And when the Nephites, you know, the rebellious part, like Kevin said, went out, they go and they're trying to stir up the Lamanites, but the Lamanites are actually initially, they don't hearken unto the words of the dissenters because they are afraid of the words of what have been spoken, I would say. Right. And 
But then, remember, that's the 54th year. But as these dissenters live among them, in the 50 and 6th year, so two years pass, Mm -hmm. eventually you get people who then, you get the Lamanites, who then are stirred up and ready to go fight against the Nephites. Yeah. Well, and and the Lamanites, you know, they they do have, it's not a short memory per se, but not always a long memory either. They do remember when Moroniha uh, kicked them out of the land of Zarahemla, you know, oh, so many years ago. And so that that defeat is still fresh in their memory. But two years pass, these Nephite dissenters living among them, uh, possibly, you know, charging their... Uh, their anger and their hatred toward the Nephites up. And sure enough, uh, they were successful in, in stirring up the, the Lamanites to anger. And they were all that year preparing for war. So the 50th and 7th year, uh, that's when they come down against the Nephites to battle. It says they commence the work of death. Yea, insomuch that in the 50 and 8th year of the reign of the judges, they succeeded in obtaining possession of all the land of Zarahemla. Well, that it, it's crazy, right? They Not only did they, you know, previously they, I believe they lost the city of Zarahemla, but this is the entire land of Zarahemla, even into the land which was near the land bountiful. So um, the Nephites, the armies of Moroniha were driven out. Or rather, into the land of Bountiful. And they obviously strengthened their armies. Mm. And the dissenters, you know, who had originally come unto the Lamanites, who were Nephites, and they obviously had a huge hand in helping the armies of the Nephites, I mean, sorry, the armies of the Lamanites, be able to obtain all that they have been able to get at Mm. this point. And so, uh, but in the 60th year, um, so remember, this is commencing like over a period of years here. But in the 60th year, Moroniha, um, he obtains many parts of the land and regains some of the cities that the Lamanites had taken. And even in the 60 and first year, they get back half of what they had lost. And so I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, they, they still don't have the other half, but they do get back half of what was taken from them. But as we all, as we started in verse 11, all of this happened in the first place because of their wickedness, like amongst themselves of people who so profess to be of the church of God. So I want to focus on what you just said, which is they succeeded in regaining even the half of all their possessions. Now, we know that the Lord's promise to his people uh, in the Book of Mormon and today is that in as much as you keep my commandments, you'll, you will prosper in the land. And in as much as you do not, you'll be cut off from the presence of the Lord. You'll be cut off spiritually. And that spiritual uh, severance <laughs> uh, results in temporal, uh, you know, despair, right? And, and suffering. Well, if they had, um, well, excuse me, I guess what I really want to focus on 
or point out is that bad things happen to faithful members of the church and the Lord's people. It's not that we're always going to be protected from any uh, suffering or any uh, tragedy. So it's very possible that the people in Zarahemla could have been doing everything they were supposed to be doing. This splinter group goes, they stir up the Lamanites to anger, and then they come back and they prevail against the Nephites. Well, we've seen it happen before that they were repelled, right? The the Lamanites come being stirred up in anger, but they're repelled by faithful saints. This did not happen. But Moronaiha, he's able to regain half of their possessions. To me, that lesson there is that they were only half (laughs) committed. They were only half or partially, maybe not exactly half down the middle, but only partially living up to the covenants that they've made. Um, And the reason I say that is because of how we started the podcast today, which is that there uh, there were many among them who were prideful. They were wicked, and they professed to belong to the church of God. I don't think, if I may, before I let you go, Shalom, I don't think that all of these people who professed to be uh, or to belong to the church of God went and lived among the Lamanites for a couple years. They were still there. They were living half-hearted discipleship, and they were causing uh, suffering among their brethren because they were you know, puffed up in their pride, and they oppressed their brethren who were more humble, <laughs> as we've read. Uh, what do you think about that show? I would 100% agree with that because obviously um, there were those who maybe, I mean, it could have been some strategic mindset to have some people stay and some people go, right? Like to have some people be stirred up um, to not believe or to not give to the poor and not give to the hungry, right? Um, It could have been something like that, or it just could have been that because it was a half-hearted discipleship, they they had to make a decision and they weren't ready to go all in over there, but they also were not ready to go all in in Zarahemla. So I think that's probably more the case than anything, but you never know. But I agree 100% with you there, which goes to show that the Lord, like if anything you can take from that, us talking about it, is that you really, we're at a time in what is it, December, no, no, it's November 30th, 2022, that we're recording this podcast. We are in a time where we cannot straddle the line anymore. Like we have to say if we're on the Lord's side or if we're not, because if we're not doing the things the Lord asks us to, we're not on his side. That's just point blank. That That is what it is. Now, do we have to be on this side perfectly? No, but we do have to be trying and working and moving forward, right? And that's what matters. doesn't matter how fast you're going, but it just matters that you're on his side. So what I heard that you didn't say is that the Lord knows the intentions of our hearts. Yes. Because I love that you said we don't need to live it perfectly, but there needs to be this spiritual skin in the game. 100%. And... Anyway, that's the takeaway from 
if you can apply it to your life, that's what I would take away from these first few verses of the chapter. And then I would, we can talk about all the things that led them there, right? Like to be half-hearted. Right. And, and again, it's, it's all in their hearts, right? Verse 12. And it was because of the pride of their hearts, because of their exceeding riches. And I, I, and I underlined that with a yellow line in my gospel library app, because it's not because they were rich in things of the world, right? It wasn't because of their material wealth. It's that they, they let that become more important than the covenants they've made with God. Exactly. And they didn't use their exceeding riches to give to the poor or give to the hungry or clothe the naked, right? Like they obviously have more than enough. And when we are blessed with more, I believe that we should share more with others that are in need, right? And they just simply didn't do that. And instead they did the opposite, which was they they made their brethren feel bad, essentially. They mocked them, right? And they, they smote, smote them on the cheek, right? And that is not that is not what you should be doing to those who are not, quote unquote, as fortunate as you, mm-hmm. right? You would want to treat others how Christ would want you to treat them. And so they didn't do that. And that was something that obviously contributed to their wickedness and their downfall. Um, they also denied the spirit of prophecy and revelation they took part in murdering, plundering, lying, stealing, adultery, rising up in great contentions, and then, you know, deserting away into the land. They just like completely left. So there's a lot of things here that they did that contributed to them having half-hearted discipleship, right? I want to suggest that in this 12th verse when it begins saying you know because of this and because of that this is sequential this is not in no particular order okay so Mm -hmm. they become prideful and it's because of their riches and because they're uh, like I said putting it uh, first and foremost and then they begin to oppress the poor the oppression is them withholding food from the hungry, withholding material, right? And then this is this is what really struck out to me, which I don't believe you read. Making making a mock of that which was sacred and denying the spirit of prophecy and revelation, right? That is the like the crux, if you will before the murdering the plundering and the lying that that becomes you know well because then they if it isn't real then they can do these things right Mm -hmm. like they don't have any accountability to anybody anymore because they're making fun of the people who do believe that they have to be accountable to god Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i love that you pointed out that they're in order they i never thought of that before but they really are (laughs) they build one off the other well, and, and I always say this uh, at the beginning of our podcasts, like, oh, this is the, 
the chapter that you could read too quickly through, well, there are verses that you read too quickly through. And those are the verses like this one where it's it's a pretty long verse and you're reading through it and maybe you start to think that you get the gist of what Mormon or whoever is saying. And so you begin to skim it and you might take it for granted that these words, I'm getting pumped up in this episode, y'all. These words were etched on plates by hand. Okay, do you think someone would have done that in no particular order or in with no thought beforehand? Right? So, I digress. Um, and then in verse 13, uh, it, it mentions they're boasting in their own strength. <laughs> Therefore, they were left in their own strength. Therefore, they did not prosper, but were afflicted and smitten and driven before the Lamanites. So this comes full circle back to what we were talking about, right? Uh, with, you know, in as much as you keep the commandments versus if you don't. So after all of that, Moroni Had decides he needs to preach unto the people. Um, and also Nephi and Lehi, who mm-hmm. are the sons of Helaman, they, they also preach unto them. And basically, it is what we always hear from the prophets in the Book of Mormon and even today. And it is that they should, and it is that they should repent, right? Come unto me and repent of your sins. And as soon as you do that, I will bless you and prosper you. And that's the promise, or and that's what happens in fifteen. Because of the preaching, they do repent and they do begin to prosper. And so that is when Moronaiha sees all this repentance taking place. He moves them, it says, from place to place, from city to city, even until they regain the one half of all their property and the one half of all their lands, like we pointed out earlier. So repenting helps them turn back to the Lord, remember all they had done, and then they were blessed to get one half of their lands back. Mm -hmm. And so that ends the 60 and first year of the reign of judges. Was it, was it Paul who, who jumped to this chapter, to this verse where he noted that Moroni Ha and Nephi and Lehi, they were, they were preaching rather than fighting to regain some of these these lands, these cities? I don't know. Got to go back to, I believe uh, it was episode 149. Listen to that one with Paul. You'll, you won't regret it if, if you haven't already listened to it. Um, I have to go back now and listen to see what he said. But yeah, it, it's interesting in verse 16, uh, not to repeat you shall, but yeah, they, they decide to preach. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't mount up for another counter attack. They go and do missionary work, right? Among their people. Um, and then they realize in verse 18 uh, that they, they cannot uh, obtain any more of their lands because the Lamanites are too numerous. And so Moroniha, he employs all his armies 
in maintaining those parts which he had taken, which is very prudent, uh, understanding what resources are available to him at the time, and not just like military resources, but maybe even spiritual resources. He's like, is this the people the Lord is going to allow <laughs> to, to, you know, fully regain all of our possessions or do we need to work on ourselves a little bit? Right. I was going to say maybe part of the reason that he preached first was because he realized that some of these people would listen, right? Like their hearts were not too hardened because we've seen where, you know, sometimes they're cast out of the cities if they're preached to and they get angry. And so they obviously knew that there was something here that they could say, okay, well, now that you've lost your lands, maybe you're a little bit more humble, Mm -hmm. right? You're not prideful anymore. And let me tell you what you need to keep doing to get back your riches, right? Yeah. I mean, reading forward in verse 20 and 21, I think you nailed it right on the nose because it's because of the greatness of the number of the Lamanites, the Nephites were in great fear, lest they should be overpowered and trodden down and slain and destroyed. Yea, they began to remember the prophecies of Alma and also the words of Mosiah. And they saw that they had been a stiff-necked people and they had been they had set at naught the commandments of God. <laughs> so they were compelled to be humble, as Alma said, and they begin to uh, realize that they've gone astray. You know, so many of their missteps, their their backsliding in this chapter with regard to pride would have been uh, avoided if they remembered those words of King Benjamin, right? Yeah. And I was just going to point that out because we're in the 60 and first year of the reading of the judges. So 61 years has gone by since King Benjamin set up the reign of judges or King Mosiah. Well, yeah, King Benjamin, he says, hey, my son's going to be. I'm I'm pretty sure he said that his son was going to be. Because none of his, what what was it? No, it was Mosiah and none of his sons wanted to be king. So he gave it to King Benjamin. No. There was a Mosiah. Mosiah won. He was the king. Then King Benjamin came next. And then he uh, had his son, Mosiah too. (laughs) But it was Mosiah's sons who didn't want the uh mm. the kingship right gotcha hopefully we're not we're not messing this up it's been a it's been a long time the it's point, been years the point is that 61 years has gone by like the time yeah. frame that's that's my point now <laughs> how it got there go back and listen to like mosiah and it'll be fine like that's <laughs> my point to it all 61 years had gone by and the lord it's I've read forward in the Book of Mormon. I'm actually in like third Nephi now because I'm trying to finish by Christmas. And the one thing I've been seeing as we move forward through the end of, you know, the Book of Mormon here over the next couple of years is that 
he really is trying to tell his people to remember him. And the, and we forget so quickly as a people to remember the Lord our God. And so they find, they just, like you said, Kev, they start to backslide or find these ways and and forget things or twist them to say, oh, that wasn't really what happened or that must have been because of this. Like it wasn't really the reality of what it was when we did see it, right? And, and one thing that they did was, they set at not the commandments of God. And so when you do that, like in other words, in plain English translation, I would say they just, they didn't care about the commandments of God. They didn't hold any value. They didn't mean anything to them. They just thought they were nothing. They didn't care what God had to say anymore. And what do they begin to do? They begin to alter the laws that Mosiah had set up. They begin to change the laws. I mean, we always say this, this is not a political podcast, but I mean, look at what's happening today. It's there and that's the truth. And you can be mad at me for it, but it is the truth. It's out there. Laws are trying to be changed, but the laws of God will not be changed. Men may try to change them just like they're doing here, but God's laws will never change. And so it's just interesting to see this in our day, literally in our day. It's here in the Book of Mormon too. Right. And so they just, once again, they alter the laws and they become corrupt, a corrupt people. And it leads to wickedness because the laws are being changed to please the natural man. Just to add my two cents there, it is the laws of God and also the laws inspired by God. Um, you know, instituted on the earth that keep us spiritually and temporally safe, right? You know, the, the Lord said, at no time have I given you a, a law that is only spiritual or only temporal, right? Right. So um, as a result of, you know, becoming wicked, like unto the Lamanites, <laughs> Um, the church begins to dwindle. They began to disbelieve in the spirit of prophecy and in the spirit of revelation and the judgments of God did stare them in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Like very intensely, right? Like I can't imagine. So this, this weakening. So it says in verse 24, and they saw that they had become weak like unto their brethren. You know, there, there aren't many more examples of weakness in the Book of Mormon than, you know, Laman and Lamuel, right? Yeah. Going way back, trying to pronounce the word, the, the name Lamuel. Lemuel. Lemuel. <laughs> um, but they were so weak, right? And... More, moreover, they they tried to rely on their own strength. And then as they were left to their own strength, you know, then they had to boast, right? They had to boast uh, in their strength, uh, forgetting God um, in so much that, you know, they, they missed the mark, right? The, the gifts of prophecy and revelation were not available to them. And they... They had to excuse themselves 
by making excuses, right? Mm-hmm. For why they, you know, oh, Nephi is trying to get one over on us, right? And then this uh, this weakness became kind of institutionalized, if you will, uh, throughout the generations where it becomes that eternal hatred. So I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going, I'm riffing off of these last few verses. Well, if I can say something, um, in verse 26, it says, and thus they had fallen into this trim, great transgression. Yea, thus had they become weak because of their transgression in the space of not many years. Hmm. So the weakness comes by way of transgression, right? And that happens, you know, over the space of not many years. And then there you go. They, they are now no longer have the spirit of the Lord with them um, because of their transgressions. And so it's right there. That's how you become weak in, in the sense of spiritually weak, right? Or temporarily weak, like you had mentioned earlier. And it's ironic because they think they're so powerful, right? Like they think, oh, look at me because look at all that I have. But really all that you were even given in the first place was because of your righteousness and because you used to follow God, but now you're not and you're claiming you did it all and you're actually really, really weak now and vulnerable and the judgments of God are staring you in the face. (laughs) So it's this great irony here. And it's important to remember that everything that you have, every morning that we wake up, it's because the Lord allows it. He gives it to us. He has power. He has so much power and he will never um, execute it unrighteously because there are laws of justice and mercy. And God is also a God of order and God also has laws. And so, but every day that you are here and every day that you are breathing is because God allows it. He knows that you need more time on this earth or your mission is not yet fulfilled. And so that's why time is so precious and what we would do with it matters so much. So don't spend your time becoming weak. Spend your time acknowledging the Lord and seeing his hand in your life day to day to day. I guarantee you, if you sat down tonight and you shut off your phone and you just laid there and had a conversation with Heavenly Father and asked to see the hand of the Lord in your life, he would at least reveal one thing where Heavenly Father was trying to show you that he loved you today and was trying to reach out to you. And so start doing that every day. Start trying to find that every day and you're actually going to become stronger because what are you doing? You're seeking for the things of God over seeking for the things of the world. I just went off on a really long tangent, but I just had to say that. So it's important to note as we conclude this episode that this chapter doesn't end with everybody repenting and becoming Christ-like and Zarahemla becoming whole again, right? Yeah. This is, hey, we suffered an enormous loss, uh, a great destruction, right? Great slaughter, excuse me. And by the grace of God, Moroni Ha, a, a spiritual giant. <laughs> and Nephi and Lehi. Well, yes, but you know, owing to the military mind uh, or, or, you know, leadership of Moroni, huh? 
they were able to regain one half of their possessions. Okay. But all of this, you know, at, at the end of this chapter is still teaching us and, and going hard on, Hey, this is, this is what caused all of this. And as we move into chapter five next week, um, you know, it's a state at which, you know, I think what, what we're going to see with Nephi, who remember Nephi is the, the chief judge in all of this. He kind of has a an Alma experience or an Alma epiphany, which is, man, I really can't get anything done in the judgment seat. I have to go out and uh, do this missionary work and preach the gospel the gospel of repentance, right? And that is going to have a greater impact upon the people um, than anything else. And so we're, we're going to get into that next week. I'm excited for it. I'm excited too. <laughs> That's how we started out the podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for listening. And we're going to be back next week in chapter five and then be looking for some guests the following week Mm -hmm. on chapter six, most likely. So that's right. We're excited. Bye, y'all. Bye. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.